Hey friends, I'm Stuart Sutherland, co-founder of Heritage Missional Community. We are a growing network of microchurches centered around a coffee house and coffee roasting business in Shasta Lake, California. If you've ever thought there has to be more to this journey of following Jesus, then this is the right place for you. Thanks for joining me in a casual conversation about reclaiming authentic discipleship. Fill up your coffee cup, settle in, and here we go. Hey, welcome back. It's episode four, and I'm sharing about vision, when vision comes. And when you think about reclaiming authentic discipleship, it's really about determining what the the vision of the Lord is. What vision does our Heavenly Father have for you, for me, for everyone? Since we all have a role to play, we all need to do what Jesus did. Jesus would tell his disciples, I only do what I see the Father doing. And I always would hear that, and I'd wonder, my, wonder to myself, how, how did he know what the Father was doing? How did that work? And part of, this part of my story is really learning that, learning what vision looked like. In fact, vision can be lots of things. It can be uh, pictures or images, dreams. It can be an audible voice from the Lord when the Lord gives us vision, Sometimes you can just stumble upon something, you know, you just trip over some sort of truth or knowledge or insight. And it kind of reminds me of when I took Sarah backpacking for the first time. It was our first anniversary. And it's a very long story, but the short part is we got lost. We got lost in the woods and it was terrifying. We were getting into some pretty thick brush And all I knew was for me to be able to navigate, to get my bearings. And by the way, we only had a map. This wasn't when we had GPS and really cool things like that. So all I knew was to navigate out of this, we had to climb the side of the mountain. We had to climb through the brush. We had to climb through the thorns and the slippery rocks. And we had to keep getting up so that we could get to a good vantage point. And right there, that feels like pursuit of vision. It's that climbing towards a place where we can get perspective. It's Jesus getting away to the quiet places and trying to connect with the Father and getting up early in the morning before the sun was even up sort of a thing. But back to the story of us being lost, as I was climbing up the hill, I I started to see some mountains. And so I had a, a topographic map, a topo map in my hands, and I'm looking out to all of the mountains around, trying to locate peaks and locate where they were on the topo map. And to do this, I had to keep climbing up, but I was so engaged in what I was doing, I started walking backwards. So I was walking backwards, looking at the map, staring at the mountains, looking at the map, staring at the mountains, and pretty soon I tripped. And when I looked down, what I tripped over was the trail. It was the trail we had been looking for, and what an amazing, you know, kind of aha accident. So sometimes we can just stumble upon vision. It can look that way. We can be walking with our eyes focused in the Word, maybe in prayer, our eyes on the horizon, just looking to what the Lord's up to, and then trip, trip over truth, trip over some insight, some wisdom. And when I think about our story, the story that Sarah and I, as we pursued what it looked like to be missionaries in a small town just a few miles north of where we lived, it was all of these things. We we saw vision from pictures, from images, from dreams. We heard, sometimes we'd hear just a voice of the Lord and it was like a small, quiet whisper. 
uh, we stumbled upon truth. We stumbled upon things as we were journeying. In fact, I had a vision of the Lord building a bridge beneath our feet each step of the way. And every step was as though there was no bridge. And as soon as we kind of, you know, the Indiana Jones moment of faith put our foot down, we put it on solid ground, and it felt that way, this part of the story. And so I'm excited to share this with you because vision is all about that journey of reclaiming authentic discipleship. It's, it's part of the story that we get to live out. It's part of how God operates in our lives. And so in a last episode, it concluded with God's call on my life. This included what seemed to be a long intermission. It was kind of that wandering in the desert time, just waiting to see, Lord, okay, I'm ready. I think I'm ready. And so it was a preparation time. There was a lot of times where the Lord would just call me to wait. And I told you, I don't do waiting very well. It's super difficult. So now a vision comes. And what's, what now? What's, what's the rest of that story? And so I'm excited to share that piece. And that starts with Oasis Cafe, which I actually mentioned and probably didn't unpack very well in episode three. But the Oasis Cafe was a cafe that Risen King had started when they got into their new building. And this cafe was, it was great. It had an espresso machine. It had a nice little setup. It had all the syrups and sauces, as in sugary syrups and sugary sauces that you could ever imagine. And um, it was an opportunity to be hospitable to people who were uh, new attenders of the church, got a free drink, and then our regular attenders could donate money so that we could keep the cafe moving. And so Sarah and I were invited to take that over. The leadership that had been there and started it, they moved on. And so it was just a simple kind of entry point for us with coffee on my heart for sure. And actually, I kind of drugged Sarah into it, but I don't think she disliked that either. She's become probably, well, I don't know if you guys know this, but a secret about Sarah is she is the barista queen of Mongolia, and that is actually true. So I can share more on that, maybe some other episode. So Sarah and I were running the Oasis Cafe and things uh, were turning around. We were actually helping the cafe not just sustain, but actually put some money away so that we could repair equipment and things like that. We trained a team. We learned some really valuable skills. And so that was kind of the bulk of the involvement that we had at Risen King. Uh, I was playing bass on the worship team. And in that time, we had a great community that we were part of with the worship team. The worship leader there had just a vision for uh, inviting people to gather, to pray, to support each other. And really, this became our tribe. This became a group of people that we were able to go deep with for a season. And sometimes that just meant we sat down, sat down in an evening, um, like a Sunday evening after church, and we would watch football together. And it was awesome. Sometimes we'd meet and we'd share scripture. And I was even invited to share a few times just on what the Lord was speaking to me in my heart. And it was really awesome to run with a group of people like that, people that we trusted and people who were starting to understand the vision that the Lord was building in us. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to pause on that that group for a moment, and I'm going to go back in time for a little bit. And this is a part of the story that I didn't really know about until um, a few years ago. 
But I had mentioned Bill Randall, who was the lead pastor at Risen King. And Bill was sharing a story where he went on sabbatical. He was in Boise, Idaho. And while he was there, he was just on a contemplative retreat, hanging out with the Lord. He's sitting in this bench in the park. And the Lord just gives him this download of vision for the city of Shasta Lake. And at this point, Risen King probably had some minor involvement, but Bill really got some vision for like, we need to invest in the city of Shasta Lake. And, you know, part of that, part of that vision was there needed to be leadership. There needed to be people to carry that vision. Bill didn't know who that would be, didn't know what that looked like, but that was a very pivotal moment for him. And so when he and I connected in seminary, I suspect, and Bill's kind of mentioned that, you know, this was kind of one of those pieces that he was looking for after that vision. After the Lord gave him vision for Shasta Lake and some people, he he saw us and thought, mm, maybe these are maybe these are the ones for that vision. And I didn't know about this. Sarah didn't know about this. This was totally unknown to us. But um, that piece of the story is really cool because we just visited Bill and Jill not too long ago, and the picture for this podcast as we've posted it for you, you'll see that there's a picture of Bill and me sitting on a bench, and that is the bench where the Lord gave Bill vision. And so this is part of that idea of vision. Sometimes it comes just as this powerful download while you're you're walking with the Lord, and for Bill, it was something that happened before there was any more clarity. It just, he had vision, but he didn't know exactly what to do with it. He didn't know where to go next. He just knew that he needed to wait on the Lord for opportunities or for maybe something else to pop up. And when he met Sarah and me, that really felt like a prompting. So that's really cool, right? And so we see the story of our vision even being built in other people, like God speaking to other people before we even knew it. And I I feel like that's just the, the amazing part of how God works with vision is it's way bigger than you and me. And if we get hung up on the fact that it's about just me, uh, I think it's dreaming too small. I think it's making God too small because vision doesn't require me just to know what to do. It requires God to speak to all the people that we're running with. And it's not about one influential leader, leader talking everyone into what God's saying, but it's really about us running. You know, the, the author, again, I love the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews talks about the unity that, you know, contending for the unity that comes from the Holy Spirit. And that kind of unity can only come from the Holy Spirit. It can't come from a great uh, celebrity leader. It can't come from anything but the Holy Spirit. And so our story continues. Um, We go back to Risen King, the Oasis Cafe, the worship team, and the amazing community that we got to be part of. And we... the. Risen King did these city service days, which was just investing in the city of Shasta Lake. It was kind of that first step. And I think the first step to any vision, when God gives us vision, we still need to take action. It's not just a wait. It's maybe a wait, but it's also a wait. And find ways to engage. Find ways to go in the direction that God's pointed you. And so God was pointing Bill in the direction of city of Shasta Lake and when Bill was inviting us to, to, to consider that, to pray, and we thought, yeah, we'll go for it. We're going we're gonna to check out City of Shasta Lake. And so we got to, um, one of our first projects was to basically renovate one of the baseball fields, little, little league fields 
And uh, we basically upgraded it from a smaller, I'm not a baseball guy, sorry, but from a smaller field to a larger field that basically upped the level of um, age groups that could play at the field. So that was really cool. And um, so we started having lunch there, just being present in the community, you know, getting an idea, understanding the context. It was, yeah, not that far away from where we grew up, but a totally different place. And so this is kind of the trade craft that comes from being missionalists. The Lord called Sarah and me to be missionaries. We were acting like missionaries. We wanted to learn the culture before we just jumped in with some sort of idea. So again, vision was there, but we also became students of the culture that we were we were in, you know, kind of dipping our toes in at this point. We weren't really sure this was the place, but we were kind of like, okay, maybe. And we wanted to become students of city of Shasta Lake and the people there. And so I had a regular lunch with another guy who was committed to running with us. His name was Dan and we would meet at Chipotle. I know, right? Chipotle, who, who can't love a weekly lunch at a place where you can get a burrito that's the size of a small animal. It's huge. But we had some great conversations around a meal. We, we would talk, we would dream. And honestly, as I was sharing, I'm an, I'm an introvert. I'm usually an internal processor, but those lunches were amazing at getting me to externally process. And in that external process, in that external process, um, I was able to share bits and pieces of vision. And as they were coming out of my, my mouth, it was almost like they were being formed. And some of you who verbally process, you're like, duh, that's kind of what it's about. Well, you know, this was new to me. <laughs> and um, when I would share these things, I met with Dan and another guy, Isaac. It was just like, they were like, whoa, this is so cool. You should, we should do this. And so the weekly meeting almost became a vision casting, processing um, time. And this is where I talk about vision coming from community and all all of this vision is being developed with other people in the body of Christ. This isn't just being alone. This is about being partnered with people who are, who are committed to, to see with the Lord, to seek after the Lord with us. And yeah, we did our part. We get into the quiet places and pray with the Lord. But man, the powerful moments were the burritos at Chipotle. And they were, the, they were just those, din- those meal conversations that really teased out ideas because it was unhurried time. It was... I would, knew I was with people who, who cared about me, who, who loved the Lord, who wanted to see new people come to Jesus. And it was in those moments that vision started to really to develop. And I remember going home, visiting the family in Sacramento, and my older brother, Josh, we, I was sharing the vision. I just kept sharing. I just kept sharing. It was just like this thing that was in me that I just had to keep getting out and talking with people about. And my brother, Josh, was talking about community center stuff. And it was just like mind blowing. Oh, of course we should totally do that. We could, you know, teach basic skills to kids. I mean, this is a, this is an area where there's a lot of poverty and they probably lack, you know, maybe they don't know how to do a resume. Maybe they don't know. And so all these things just started to, to grow as we would share, we would give vision, but we'd also get vision back from other people. And I just love how the Lord with the unity that comes from the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that's in me is speaking to all the people around us and how that really started to, to create a big, beautiful vision. And you might be wondering, okay, man, you're like dancing around this idea of vision. What the heck is it? So get ready. It's coming. Um, 
I was still working in architecture. I was really embracing attention of working in the marketplace, um, support raising, full-time ministry. And so just to give you an idea of like those lunch times around the lunch break while I was working and still in architecture. And then in the evenings, we would spend time raising support so that we could transition out of the, mar- well, out of full-time marketplace, whatever that looks like, into another marketplace ministry called Heritage. So how did Heritage come into being? Well, most of the story that I just shared with you is really the messy kind of, you know, the that moment where you want to clean up a mess or you want to reorganize your closet. So you have to just pull everything out and put it all over the floor. Well, that's kind of what it felt like. It just felt like we just made a mess. We had all these ideas. We had all these things. But how do we systematize? How do we organize? How do we make this into a plan? You know, the little architecture background in me started going to work of like, how do we make this a real thing and not just make it an idea? And so um, as Sarah and I were support raising, um, the Lord really got us excited. Every time we would go to somebody's house and share and invite people to be on our um, support team, to be financial partners and prayer partners with us, we just got way more excited. Um, it, it, it felt like this momentum was building, and it felt like greater and greater clarity came. And you might be asking, how did you come up with the name Heritage? Well, here's what we knew. We knew coffee was in the mix. Um, I grew up, you know, at 13, working in a coffee cart in downtown Sacramento and just fell in love with coffee and how it brought people together. So that was a piece. Um, and then as we ran Oasis Cafe and we got even more experience, I trained in Portland to get really good at specialty coffee. And then on top of it, Sarah and I felt like small group and discipleship people. We weren't big church people. And so we knew that was definitely a part. So you can see how parts of our identity. And then as we were at Risen King, I learned something about myself. And this was probably the most important thing that I learned. I'm an apostolic. What does that mean? That means that I am, in a, in a lot of ways, kind of like an architect can take something, like an idea, an art concept, what somebody wants for a house, and make it a real building. The apostolic is similar where there's vision to take the next hill for Jesus. There's vision for seeing a presence of the kingdom in certain places. But how do you do that? You have to create a plan. You have to execute that plan. And that became very much a part of how... I started engaging um, this process. And so we were raising support. We were getting excited. I was still working full time, but things started to make sense. And then we get to the, you know, what do we call this thing? We know small group and discipleship. We know coffee. What do we call it? I was literally looking through the Bible one day. So I was in the concordance and I got to the letter H and the H word that really stood out to me was heritage. And I thought, man, that's weird. Heritage, where does that, where is that connected? And heritage is also translated as inheritance. And when we started thinking about the community and city of Shasta Lake, we we're going after the oppression of poverty. It was about the inheritance that people got, the inheritance of poverty. And we thought, man, what a great way to change that inheritance through being a kingdom presence in the city of Shasta Lake. So we were super excited. The word heritage stuck. It was heritage. We didn't want church to be in the, in the mix. We wanted to be the church without being a church. And so 
I was literally teaching at our worship team community, uh, just sharing a word, a scripture, and then started that transitioned into sharing more of the vision of what we were doing with the coffee house small group ministry. And then I shared the word heritage and everybody was like, dude, that's it. That's the word. That's what we, that fits. And then it was like, but I think it has to be connected to the coffee shop. Like I want it to be a coffee shop first and people get to know us on by relationship, not by title. And so we, th- we thought, man, Heritage Roasting Company, right? It's a coffee house. It's simple. It's a third place. It's not home. It's not work. It's not a church. It's just a place where you can go and be. And so Heritage Roasting Company, the vision, the name, things were really coming together. And we were getting super excited. It really seemed like the momentum was gaining day after day. And I remember having this dream and... I was on a shore, I was fishing, I would cast out my line. I only did it once, but there was just a hook. It was just a giant hook. There was nothing, no bait of any kind. I just threw the hook out towards the sea. And before the hook even hit the water, this giant whale came out of the water, grabbed the hook. I pulled this big whale, it was a killer whale to shore. And then the hook just fell out of its mouth. It's not even like it pierced the skin of the whale. And I I thought, man, what do I do with this dream? This is crazy. This is weird. And when I was sharing that with our our worship community, everybody was like, I think this means that there's a lot of favor. There's a lot of backing. Like the Lord's going to bring more than you realize. And it's it's not going to take much effort. It's just going to be there. And I was like, okay, that's cool. It feels encouraging. Also feels really obscure. But, you know, I'm going to take it. You know, the the Lord just started working with with dreams. And so it started with community and sharing, me learning this amazing gift called externally processing, me learning more identity, learning that I'm apostolic. And I, I, I'm kind of all over the place in this episode, but it's really kind of how it felt. Vision just came from all different places. And when I think about the apostolic in me, that was something that growing up probably wasn't okay. Probably wasn't, it really, it didn't feel like it was okay to have interest in a lot of, a lot of different things as a kid. You know, it's kind of as, as an encouragement, my parents would say, why don't you pick one thing? You know, it's great that you want to learn how to do this. You want to learn how to do that. But why don't you just focus on one thing? Don't get your be in a bonnet and do multiple things. Just do one thing. And I thought, okay, I'll try. And I would discipline myself to do the one thing. But really there was a stirring in me to do more and more and different and to keep learning. And part of that was just, I was apostolically wired and running with Risen King and going through inner healing and a lot of the things of just hanging out with the Lord and letting him speak identity over me turned into a very powerful and important understanding of, of my gifting. And in learning that gifting, I felt way more permission to create. I felt more permission to just press into that creative side that took interest in multiple things because I needed to know how to do a bunch of different things if this was going to work. I needed to know coffee. I needed to know, you know, organizational leadership, what I went, what, where I went to school. I needed to know um, some architecture, some design. I needed to have a relationship with the city. I had all those things. And you could see all the strings going in all these different directions, starting to pull together to create one vision. And it was beautiful. It was powerful. And this momentum just kept coming and coming and more encouraging dreams. And so there's a story here that 
really helped us launch a presence in, in city of Shasta Lake, and that's Halloween. Our uh, church would do this big harvest carnival, and it was powerful and fun. I mean, hundreds of kids would come, and we were helping, and we ran into a couple who just bought a house in city of Shasta Lake, and they were really dreaming about hosting. They just had hospitality on their hearts, and they wanted to host a small group in city of Shasta Lake. And so I connected with them in the middle of this harvest carnival, and we talked, and I just shared, hey, we're really seriously thinking about being engaged in city of Shasta Lake. In fact, we even feel like the Lord has called us here. He called us to the mission field, but as we've been walking out this um, engaging with city of Shasta Lake, the Lord has written on our hearts like, this is your mission field. This is your place. And our friends are like, okay, cool. This sounds awesome. We want to we host. And so they became our first hosts, Peter and Tanya. And man, Tanya could cook up some mean meals for a lot of people. And it was awesome. We had time eating food, praying for the city, but we were in the city taking ground already. And it just felt like the momentum couldn't be stopped. And finally, we get this opportunity not just to start sharing our vision with a few people here and there, which I feel like was the most important, but then we got to share our vision with the entire Church of Risen King. And so came a Sunday where Bill gave me the opportunity to cast vision, and I just wanted to share um, with as much as I can remember that vision casting with you, and basically what I shared within a few minutes with the congregation, and then I'm going to share what happens after that. So I get on the stage, I get, you know, Bill introduces us and introduces us as, as folks really interested. Most people knew us at the Oasis Cafe and helping out in different things, um, but really pointing out that we are becoming more and more intentional about the city of Shasta Lake. And so when I get up there, I just invited everyone to close their eyes. So I'm going to invite you to do the same thing. If you just close your eyes and you walk in to this coffee shop, you look to your left, you look to your right, and you see people engaged in conversations. You see people from different backgrounds. You see people um, who are poor. You see people who are wealthy. You see people who are dark skin, light skin. You see people from just all over the place. There's just no rhyme or reason, but it's just a, a mixing pot of people. Some people know Jesus. Some people don't know Jesus, but it's okay. People are engaged. People are happy. There's maybe a couple around a table with coffee in their hands discussing their marriage. Maybe there's another couple um, sitting there discussing their children. Maybe there's just some friends talking about school. But this space becomes a space and an opportunity for not just people who know Jesus to hang out, but for people who don't yet know Jesus to hang out. And I just invite people to open their eyes. It was that simple. And then I started to unpack. This is a place where we can connect with people who won't walk through a church. This is a place where we can be the church and we aren't going to, we aren't going to be just another institutional church. We're not just going to be a church building, but we really want to be the body of Christ. We want to be incarnational, Jesus with skin on to the people in our community. And this is how we're going to engage them. We're going to create this space 
And it isn't about just the four walls of this space, but it's about the presence of a business saying this city is actually worth more because most businesses, actually there weren't any businesses that were coming into the city of Shasta Lake at that time. And so we just shared that vision. Sarah and I were sharing that. We shared the idea of a community center. We shared the, the idea of small groups and discipleship, praying with expectation and inviting people into a relationship with Jesus. Um, I can't say it was the best you know, communication that I had with a large group of people, but it was, it was enough. And when we got down, we were super encouraged. Oh, wow, you guys did great. You know, that was awesome. And we just felt complete. We just felt satisfied. And um, it felt like that's what we needed to say. Um, I wish I could describe it better than that, but it just, sometimes you feel like you left things unsaid. And in that moment, I really just felt like, no, I think that's enough. And it really felt like the Lord was saying, that's enough. And I think about, I don't know, maybe a few days go by. And somebody in the church reached out to, to Bill and said, hey, we want to get behind this and we want to we wanna back it financially. We want to help you guys get a building. And Bill comes back to me and says, you're not going to believe this, but probably one of our largest donors in the church is getting behind this. And we're like, what? <laughs> okay, you know, that's crazy. And then about a week later, another couple steps up and says, hey, we really want to get behind this vision. We really see the Lord in this. And it was like, we had two very large, very uh, just generous people engaged and ready to get behind this vision. And we thought, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And so the momentum was not just feeling unstoppable. The momentum at this moment felt like it ran three miles ahead of us and we couldn't catch up. And I have to say that was exciting and that was absolutely terrifying because now what do we do? We don't even have a building. How do we get there? And that's where we're going to end with this episode <laughs> is hanging on that. We, we got vision. We, we walked out vision in community. We shared that vision with community and people got behind it. How did we pick the name? It was just in hanging out with the Lord and inviting friends to participate in that process. How do we know what the vision was going to look like? Well, we had to look inside. We had to look within and say, who am I? Who has the Lord made me to be and what is he inviting me to do? Where are areas that maybe I don't know things about myself, but the Lord's going to identify? He identified that I'm apostolic where I thought, that's totally not me. There's, the last thing I'm going to do is start a business. I'm going to lead a ministry or do anything like that. I didn't think that was, you know, remember, I wasn't even going to be a missionary. But it was part of the identity process that got me here. It was understanding that those are things that really are in me. And, in, and the Lord is working in me and through me to accomplish and so I hope you enjoyed this one, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining in today, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment if you enjoyed this episode. You can check out our ministry at heritagecoffeehouse.org. And remember, we all play a vital role in God's plan for redemption. So what's the Father saying to you, and what are you going to do about it?